0: Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. I want to encourage you that as we keep focusing in, that the way I speak, I'm very, I'm very different. I have different language. I have things that I say that will, that will challenge you. I will say things because I talk to you the way I talk to youth. I'm pretty much consistent of who I am. You can ask PG. I say things to him all the time. He looks at me like I'm crazy. He's like, and that's just who I am. I love to be honest and transparent and real and to the place of um, unashamed of doing it. And I love that. So when I speak to you this morning, I have a message for you, and I'm really excited to share this with you. Um, Forgive me if all of a sudden in the middle of the message I break down and I weep. Sometimes there's a part in this message that still touches me so deeply that it's hard for me to even say. And I can feel the Lord now on that. And so... What I want to speak to you about, because it was funny, PG said to me, he's like, hey, he's like, I'm doing this series called Just One More, and I'm like, are you kidding? He's like, yeah, I'm like, oh, man, I was like, I have something I could tell you, and I, he's like, oh, yeah, you're going to preach this, and I'm like, okay, and um, one of the things that I think we fail at in life and, and things of the church is we miss the point of why we're here. Many come forward, and they give their life to Christ at the altar. And then through either a failure in ministry, a failure in relationship, once they do that, they're spiritually aborted and sent out into the world, and we never see them again. And then what happens is we have those that get connected and plugged in, but they never do anything outside the walls of the ministry in which they're contained. They don't go out and reach the lost because they're not being dictated to by the leadership of the ministry to do so. They're not being flowed through and functioned through the program, so therefore they don't respond. If all there was for us is to come and give our life to Jesus, and that was it, so we can go to heaven, you should die at the altar the moment you give your life to Christ. I mean, we should have that. Forget, like, conceal, what. just, yeah, right up here, boom. Tell Jesus, I. This should be the response, if there was no point of us doing something here on the earth. Why are we here? Why are we here? You know, I want... To see the expression of the culture of the American church changed and shifted. The church is asleep, and we think it's awake because we see charisma or we see excitement. They're snoring. I am longing to see the things that people tell me stories about. Man, there was this one time, I want it now. Why are we living in decades past when it's, and we were asking God for it now? Where is it? So the greater things that I'm looking for are going to happen, and it will happen. Do you want it to happen for you in your life? So there is a lost and dying world that is out there, guys. But how do we reach the lost and dying world? We hear all these messages all the time. We give them little pamphlets. Fine. I will never do that. But we give them all these little things. We try all of these gimmicks. Have you done the manipulation strategies where you go in and you try to trick people? to get him to Jesus, how you try to sell him like you're on a used car lot, that's not effective. You're trying to sell someone who is free to everyone. You are trying to profit off that, why? Tell them who he is and show them who he is. Demonstrate who he is. You know, just one more is not gonna be just a catchphrase. Just one more is not just gonna be a title of a series that we're putting together. Just one more is going to be something that's ringing in your mind and is going to haunt you at night. I'm going to show you a clip. How many of you guys saw the movie Hacksaw Ridge? Oh, yeah. Now you know where I'm going. I'm going to show you this clip, and I want you to watch this. There's a battle that's getting ready to take place. It's a war, and this war is intense. What you're about to see is pretty graphic and intense. But they're on this huge ridge, but there's this one guy who they wanted him kicked out, but he said, i got to keep going. And they wanted him kicked out of of the military because he refused to touch a gun. And they said, you have no worth here. They did everything they could to get him out. But he said, no, I could be a medic, and I could do this. And this is a true story. It's true. All of this is true. It's not a made-up movie. And so what he's doing is he's like, please. And he finally gets to go, and he's going into battle. No gun. He's this medic. He's running. He's doing all these things. All of a sudden, his whole group gets annihilated on top of this ridge. And... I don't know how many feet below, probably 100 plus feet below, down this ridge. The rest of the people escape and go down, but there's a big slaughter of what happened. Horrific scene on this ridge. And instead of going down and retreating, he finds what he's meant to be and what he's meant to do. So I'm going to let you watch this clip, and if you guys can play it, that would be fantastic. Uh, good. Okay, we Might got have to you. kill the lights for this one. We got you. Okay, sure, go ahead. You're good. It's a pretty dark scene, so. Uh, good. Okay, we got you. We got you. Hey, Ted. It's me, it's Desmond. i gonna fix you up. Get out of here. Sure am. Please, Lord, help me get one more. More, help me get one more. See, this is a picture of what we see in a war scene. But there is a war going on out there for us. See, all of us are in this battle, and and we try to pretend like it's not happening because we're not in the place where the gunfire is necessarily happening all the time. But we have to get to this reality that in this war for souls, we have to have that heart of just one more. Where is the driving passion of the church for the lost? The church has felt more like a whooped dog than it has that soldier. If it goes around really soft and tender and timid and what are they going to say? What have we become? Where is the burning lion heart that says just one more? Where is the one that when you walk out and you see somebody that's sitting there all by themselves on a street corner, that something inside of you just burns and you go, Just one more, and you go to them. See, you're preoccupied, you're busy, and you're also really spiritual, but you can't find the lost anymore. And we're not even attracting them anymore. They don't even want to come because they're not seeing the things we talk about. They're not discovering the God we say is real, and when they're not seeing the signs and wonders that we pretend happen. Where are they? Where is he? He's right here. He's waiting for his church to realize that the greatest response of a miracle is when someone is intensely moved and brought into the kingdom. It's a supernatural thing. You look like it's something we do. It's something God does, and he uses us to do it. Right. You know, we are supposed to be ambassadors. Now, how many of you guys know what an ambassador is? Raise your hand. You know what an ambassador is? Some of you like, I do, but I don't. Okay. An ambassador, it says it's an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. You are not of this world. You are an ambassador of a foreign country to these people that are coming to insert the kingdom of that country and the authority into this region so everyone will know that you come from somewhere else and that it is better than what is there. You are going to shift the culture of the very country you're in. That's why you are here. That's why God has sent you. That's the whole point. So let's read 2 Corinthians 5.20. It's not going to be on your screen. But it says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Where are the ambassadors of his kingdom? Where are the ambassadors that are saying, just one more? Because we're going to give an account to the king for everything that we've done. Will he find us faithful on the earth? I cast out devils in your name, God. I heal the sick. How many have you led to my kingdom? Because you know what? You can heal somebody and they can still go to hell. The temporary is what we're focused on. We live, many of us, paycheck to paycheck. So that's how you live your life. Sin to forgiveness. Sin to forgiveness. Problem to struggle to freedom to struggle. It's just, that's what you're doing. What is the big picture? What is really happening out there? So I want to I also read this to you. I am in chains now. This is Ephesians 6.20. I am in chains now, still preaching the message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Have you ever read these scripture verses? Have they ever just lived inside of you and you realize, my goodness, am I even getting the point of the gospel? Am I even making this matter? You know why people fall away from the church? Because they bought into a programmed system and it wasn't God. People don't actually run from a holy, loving God. They run away from a corrupt system that lied to them. That's what they're doing. They're not really rejecting God. They're rejecting a system and they're discouraged because they never found God. That's what's really going on. That's what's really happening. How many of you have been at that moment where you just felt so wiped out by church and ministry? Anybody? Okay. I've been there. You just get done. You're like, man, is this even worth it? Sometimes we're like these little poodles at a circus jumping through hoops. It's ridiculous. We were never meant to be that. Never meant to be. Evangelism. Do you know that our awkward obedience releases the power of God? are awkward obedience. I am king of awkward. I'm the guy, if there's an elephant in the room, hey look, there's an elephant in the room, I will say something. I am the one that really just doesn't care. I'll come up to you and I'll ask you questions that will be like no one would dare ask you. When you ask me a question and you want an answer, I'm going to tell you the truth. Why don't people talk to me? Because you push people away by your, the way you posture yourself. You look like you don't want anybody to talk to you. So you're bringing on your own rejection. That's why. They are looking at me like, oh, and I'm like, but you don't have to be that way. And God can help you. And they're like, oh, my gosh. See, people aren't used to us telling the truth because we stop telling the truth. We don't even know how to be to the place of telling the truth. You know what we've learned? We've learned honesty, not truth. Honesty is telling people how we feel. Truth is telling people truth. So I could say, I feel like I'm worthless, but truth says I have worth. See, there's honesty and truth. It's all different. It's all different, but the church is in a phase of honesty, and they've lost sight of truth. I could tell you how I feel, but I can't tell you what your worth is. What has happened? And you wonder why there's no power. There's no truth. Where has truth gone? So if you don't have truth, there's only one other option. We have a lie. You're like, uh oh. <laughs> but that's what's happened. Now this this does not mean that's what you want. It's just what's happening. I know you want something more. You know what's funny? In Second Corinthians 4, 3 through 4, it says, if the good news were preached is hidden behind a veil. This is what it says, it's hidden behind a veil. It's hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. So you're like, great. So these people are blind, and we're supposed to go minister and evangelize to them. See, yes, because what's going to happen is the almighty power for God is going to work through you, and that's why it's not you. I feel strange going up and talking to somebody. Good. It's a supernatural thing that God's going to do. They're blind, and you can't cause them to see. Only God can. You could walk up to them and say the dumbest thing in the world, and if God wants them to come to him, he's coming. There's a guy that I look up to really well, and his name is Michael Wood. He's from the ramp. He actually has a story. He's about buying shoes. He's on vacation in Florida here, and he's going to the shoe store, and he's terrible with evangelism, he says. He's awful, and he's awkward and embarrassing. And he goes into the shoe store, and this guy just like, it grips his heart behind the counter. And he's like, man, okay, God, I'm going to do it. And he walks up to him, and he says, man, I just got to tell you something. God, when I saw you, my heart just just leapt inside (laughs) and the guy's like yeah I I like when that happens when a bunch of women tell me that too (laughs) so this really awkward exchange he goes oh he's like no I didn't mean that I'm so sorry so he's now embarrassed he's like what is wrong with me and then all of a sudden he just says you know I am just gonna tell you it's I'm saying God touched my heart because there's something about you and he just says a simple thing a simple prayer over him The guy breaks and weeps and is wrecked right there in that awkwardness. It's a supernatural thing that God does. You can't mess it up. The only thing that's a mess up is you don't even try. That's the mess up. That's the problem. So, I wanna tell you about the awkwardness of me. We're in my city and we're driving and we're going up this, we're in a little town, it's not big, it's a little town of Fruitland Park. People are like, what? Yeah, we're nowhere. So little town of Freeland Park, we're driving. I have my family in the car, my wife's with me. We're going up this hill and all of a sudden I look and we don't have homeless people in our city. Like it's a little town. Like we got a lot of parks and everybody's a little happy. There's no homeless people. Like you can't just go do a homeless ministry because there's no homeless people. So all of a sudden I see this guy who's like the poster child of homeless people. Huh? Oh, there's a picture. Can you put a picture up? I have a picture of this guy. It's actually not the picture of him but he looks exactly like this. This guy looks just like this. I'm not kidding you. I thought it was a picture of who I'm about to tell you about. It's actually not. It's the cover off of Jason Upton's Beautiful People. I'm like, dude, did you know this guy? It's crazy. <laughs> so anyway, so we drive by, and I see this guy. He's on the corner, and he's just, he's looking at the cars, but he's talking to himself. He's like, oh, no, no. I'm like, oh, this guy, he's got some critters. All right. So I'm like... <laughs> So, all of a sudden, we drive, and well my wife sees me, because I'm driving, and I'm like, and she goes, and she, I look at her, and she looks at me, and she goes, go ahead. I'm like, okay. So, I turn around, and I go to the convenience store, and I pull up. I park the car. I go out to him. Here he is just having this conversation with nobody. I don't care. I'm like, hey, how you doing? He's like, oh, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm good. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, what's your name? He goes, my name's Donald. I'm like, hey Donald, I'm John. Nice to meet you. Now I don't introduce myself as a pastor because that just freaks everybody out and turns them off. So I'm like, nah. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, hey, Donald, do you eat today. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody gave me some pizza. And I guess I had some leftover from lunch. And I said, awesome. And I'm like, okay, God, what do you want to do? I'm really awkward here. Oh, hey, what's your favorite snack? Now keep in mind, I know enough, I've been around in the world, I know enough. You can tell whether the guy's on drugs, you can tell what's going on. He's just, there's something not right here, but there's no sign of drugs. He doesn't smell like alcohol, but he does smoke. He smokes cigarettes. And I'm like, hmm. What's your favorite snack, Donald? He goes, oh, I love Mountain Dew and Pringles. And I'm like, okay. So I go into the store. I said, I'll be right back. And this is how he talked. Really crazy. So I go into the convenience store. I buy Mountain Dew and Pringles. And this is going to mess with all your religious spirits. Deal with it. I buy three packs of cigarettes. And I walk back out. I know. You're like, I'm about to walk out. (laughs) So... I buy him cigarettes, I go out there, I hand him the Mountain Dew and Pringles. Hey, thanks, man, oh, this is great, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. Oh, I said, um, I said, you know, I'm a pastor at a church, and I just said, I-, I would love if there's anything I could do to help you or bless you, I'm here. And, um, oh, by the way, here, and I hand him the cigarettes. And he goes, what's this? Cigarettes? You bought me cigarettes? I'm like, yeah, but you're a pastor. I said, but you smoke. And he goes, but you're a pastor. And I go, but you smoke. And this went on for five minutes. (laughs) Completely awkward. So after, I was like, all right, buddy, I'll see you later. That was it. Well, now I become his favorite person in our small town. I drive down the road. Here's Donald again. Hey! Waving and yelling at me in my car. I'm like, oh, my God. Help me, God. And he's like, I'm almost out of cigarettes. I'm like, okay, bro. And all I said to him, I was like, hey, what are you doing on Sunday? I don't know. I'm like, okay, do you want to? Because, like, what does he do? I'm like, what do you want to do? You want to go with me to church? Okay. And so I said, where do I meet you? And he's like, well, there's this flea market. And it's like this, it's sketch. It's this nasty little flea market in our city. It's, and so there's this flea market. And he goes, meet me out there in front of the flea market. It's right on the main highway. I was like, oh, okay, I'll meet you there. He's like, yeah, meet me there. I said, like, okay. So 9 a.m.? 9 a.m. Okay great. So. 9 a.m. comes around, Sunday morning, I'm there with my car, in my car, I have my kids with me, and we're like right there, waiting, he's a no-show, I'm like, well, where did I find a homeless dude, I can't like go to his house, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, all of a sudden, I'm about to turn around and go to, go to the church service, and no joke, true story, Holy Spirit GPS kicks in, no joke, I go to turn around, and I get this burning in me of going, no, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. that was weird, <laughs> what was that? and behind this flea market is this huge, huge field, but lined with trees, so there's nowhere to go. There's no roads. I get this burning desire to drive into this field, you're not supposed to, and go and head toward the tree line, and so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm crazy, so I start driving, and my car, boom, 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 kids in the car, what are you doing, dad? I'm like, I don't know. I'm driving. All of a sudden, I get to the tree line. There's like this little tiny opening, and it's not something you want to bring your car through, because it's going to scratch it through the trees. I'm like... What's that? Oh, do you want me to go through there? Okay. I said, All right, Holy Spirit, I'm gonna try this. So I start going, Taylor and my twins, they're they're in the car, and Taylor's like, Dad, what are you doing? I'm like, just don't worry about it. Xander's in the back, Dad, we're gonna die. I'm like, shut up, Xander. So I go through, and as we go through, it's like scraping. I'm like, oh I'm like, Jesus. And I'm going. So I'm going through this wooded area in my car. And finally, it opens up a little bit on this dirt road. I'm like, we're gonna get stuck back here. What is this? And there's like this broken down, like junky looking, uh, it's like a trailer camper, it has broken out windows, no front door, no power going to it, but there's trash everywhere. And I'm going by, and all of a sudden, I got that urge again to stop. And I'm like, stop. Well, at this point, Xander's like, Dad, we're gonna die. And I'm like, we're not gonna die. And Micah's like, We're gonna die. And I'm like, No, we're not. And Taylor's like, Dad, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. And so I honk the horn. Well, Xander screams, because now he's scared. This is a creepy, like, horror movie scene. The trees and everything. And I go, honk. And he goes, ah! I go, shh. So this is not, this is evangelism, like, not good. So this dog comes out from under the trailer from a hole it dug. And I'm like, there's a dog. So I honk one more time. And through the broken glass, the trash starts to move. Now the kids are terrified. The trash starts moving, and all of a sudden, you see this face pop through the glass. "Ah!" I'm like, guys, shut up. And he's like, oh, I forgot, having no clue that I just found him. I forgot. So he comes out. I'm like, hey, Donald, can you get some shoes and and stuff, because I might want to take you to lunch afterwards. I'm trying to be like, is pastoral and holy. So anyway, he does it, and he gets his shoes, puts it in the car, and I have an issue with bugs. He sets it down. Roaches fly out of his shoes. I go, Jesus, you did not call me to this. I'm not doing this, and I have an issue, like, burn the car now. So all of a sudden, Donald's like, oh, I'm like, Donald, can you just get them out of the car? He's like, come here, guys. Like, they're his friend. I'm like, he smells the high heavens. I'm like, what am I doing? We get him to church. He sees the coffee bar. He's all excited. Coffee! I'm like, oh, my gosh. He's the most awkward person you've ever seen. He does not fit in the culture of the church. But weeks before, we prayed for the homeless and the prostitutes. Now we brought one. What are they going to do with them? <laughs> so he comes in there. He After walking around the church and just discovering things, making the security people go nuts, and everybody's freaking out, I'm like, just relax. He's still barefoot, smells the high heavens, gets up. Service is going. Music is going. He comes right down this, this big aisle, right in the middle of people worship. He just walks right down the aisle. Comes down the aisle, and we have a huge stage. This is like one of those mega kind of church things. Huge stage with all these stairs, like 10 steps. He goes halfway up the stairs, going up to the stage. I'm like, Gets halfway up, sits on the stage, and just sits right in front of the worship leader like this as he's leading. And I'm going. Everybody's like, they're all like this. They're like. He stayed there the whole time. The offering stayed there. Pastor gets up to start preaching. Stayed right there. Did not move the entire time. So long story short, because of time, I ended up leading Donald to Christ through relationship and loving him. I also was able to see the moment where he gets baptized. Completely different. He's now in his right mind. He's not talking to himself anymore. I tried to make Donald look like us. I actually tried to get him a house, a place to live. He didn't want that. See, Donald taught me something. I was trying to get him to look like me. That was not my job. My job was to get him to Jesus and let Jesus do the rest. So here's what happens. People start taking him back and forth to church, and the church starts to make Donald part of them. It was beautiful. Then all of a sudden, a week or two go by, and he didn't show up. And I was like, where's Donald? They're like, no, he wasn't there. And we found out that Donald had passed away. So within a two-, three-month period, he went from insane sitting at the corner in our city, in his right mind, found Jesus, gave his life to him, got baptized, and now he's sitting, standing in front of Jesus. And I started thinking, I'm like, I was broken. I said, God, I'm like, how crazy was that? And this is where it got real. That night I found out I ended up going to sleep. (sighs) This is so hard for me. I had a dream that changed my life. In this dream, I'm in the void of space. You know how dreams, you just start somewhere. And there's, I'm in this cube. It's like a 10 by 10 cube in this clear plexiglass. Like I'm some kind of Sea world. I'm in this box. And my box is here. And then there's another box and another box and another box. It just keeps going as far as the eye can see through space. One person in each cube. I could see them all the way down. I hear everything like it's the perfect surround sound system being fed right into my cube. There's no speakers. It's just me in a cube. I can hear everything. I can sense everything. Way in the distance... I see this fire in the, in the atmosphere. And it shoots into the cube. And remember, I can hear it like it's in my cube. And you hear screaming. No! Screaming. And somebody is being tortured, it feels like. That's what it sounds like. And I'm like, and all of a sudden you hear, did you feed me when I was hungry? Did you clothe me when I was naked? And starts quoting Matthew 25, that's part of Matthew 25. And the person's like, no, no, I did it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And all of a sudden you hear, no. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, fire out. Next cube, no, same thing over and over and over. It kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. It's getting closer to me and I know that I didn't do it right. I know that I didn't make it and I know heaven is not my destiny now. I know I'm going to hell. I know it. I can't hide. Everything I'm thinking, I know is out. There's. I can't even convince myself out of it. I can't even manipulate my way through it. I can't do anything. And all of a sudden the fire gets into the cube right next to me, right there. The person, whoop, boom, slams on the, on the side of it. I'm looking right at him. Get me out of here, please help me. I'm like, I can't, I'm crying. I'm like, I'm sorry. And did you feed me when I was hungry? Did you clothe me when I was naked? Did you give me... Drink? I mean, it's just one thing after another. No! And I watch, and they just dissolve. <sighs> and you hear the scream again, distance. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you hear there's outer darkness. Like, there's stuff in the atmosphere, things you will never want to hear. That is not just a verse. It is a reality that I never want to be faced with. All of a sudden, the fire... Enters my cube. I am just like the rest, screaming, begging to get out. I can't get out. I know I'm about to go to hell. I know. And I'm like, I'm not good enough. I didn't do it right. I missed it all. What did I do this for? Why? And I'm questioning everything I did, and I see everywhere I screwed up. And all of a sudden, he's like, did you feed me when I was hungry? I said, no, I didn't. I can't lie, I didn't. Did you clothe me when I was naked? And in the cube with me, a hologram appears. And it's a a man in a fetal position with his back to me. And I'm looking, and I'm like, what is going on? I don't understand. He's still asking the same questions that he asked everybody else that I don't want to hear. And he's like, did you visit me when I was in prison? And I'm like, no. And the hologram turns to a solid form, and it's Donald. And I go, Donald. And Donald turns back and looks at me with his, with his eyes. And I'm like, Donald. And all of a sudden, they go, with fire. And all of a sudden, the voice of the Lord stops and says, you know my son. And I wake up. In that moment, I realized that Matthew 25 is more than just a pretty story in the Bible. I realized in that moment That everything we are doing is going to be burned up if it has no worth in the kingdom. I realize that there is just one more. There's always one more. When you get one, go find another. There's one more. Matthew 25 says this, and this is what I'm going to move and close with. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, Then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then he'll say to those that did not, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And they'll answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, say, surely I say to you, inasmuch as much as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Does the lost and dying world do the lost grip your heart? Or would you rather have your ears tickled every Sunday morning and continue to do the same thing week after week? We keep asking God for revival as as like it's going to drop right in this room. You're the revival. The lost coming to Jesus is the revival, not a three-day meeting because we said so. That's revival. Revival is something that happens because you believe it and you dare to do something. Come on up. If the lost do not grip your heart, you have failed to take hold of the heart of Jesus because he came to seek and save that which was lost. If you're a believer and you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, he is still desiring to touch people just the way Jesus did that we read about in the Bible when you refuse to do this and go after one more or tell people or lay hands on them or love them or to stretch yourself or to give of yourself, when you fail to do this, you are saying, Holy Spirit, enjoy the jail cell. I have a ticket to heaven. Now leave me be. What is the point? Why are we doing this? My challenge today is not to have a dramatic altar call. My challenge today is to see what's going to happen to you and what you're gonna do. And honestly, the fruit and the evidence of it is to see if you believe everything that I just told you. Will you do it? This room in one week would be filled if you did what I just said. One week. But that's not what we're doing it. Hopefully we're effective where we bring them in, raise them up, send them out. It's never about building a mega church. It's never about making your ministry better than others. It's not about any of this. Why do we have 50 something youth all of a sudden in a brand new church? Because he's worthy and they see him as worthy. Not because John's gifted and anointed the youth ministry. That's so dumb. That's so self seeking and arrogant. He is worthy, he is worthy of your sacrifice. When you don't have a dime to your name, He's still worthy. So what I'm going to ask you, and don't don't take this lightly, I'm going to ask you, for the altar call today, is a declaration. If you're saying, I believe everything that has been spoken to me, and I believe the word, and I know that I must do something, and you're going to say, I'm willing to find that one more, and go find your Donald. Your Donald could be in the school. Your Donald could be at work. Your Donald could be sitting in this room right now. Who is your Donald? I'd like the youth and the college-age students to stand up for a second. I just want to pray over you. Many of you have gone back to school. Some of you are going back to school tomorrow. Some of you are going off to college. Do not go and waste time. You think it's about your studies. You think it's about your fun and your friends and all the things you want to do. It's not. That is just the avenue the Lord used to get you to go there because you have to do that. You need to do that, and that's a good thing to do. Who are the ones you're going to find? Where's your Donalds? So I speak, first of all, blessings over everyone who's leaving, these college students that are going and going off. I I speak blessings over you I speak blessings on each one going into their campuses and their schools. Those who are homeschooled, don't think that is not your field. Your home is your field. God, I ask for a blessing supernaturally. As they go forward, that they go representing you, not themselves. I ask, God, that you would stir in each one of them a longing and a desire for one more. I pray that within 10 days' time, they will find a Donald that is theirs whether it's the gothic kid, whether it's the depressed one, whether it's the one playing the part of the harlot, whoever it is, let them find the one and reach them and put them into your hands. Now I'm going to ask the rest of you to stand with us. If you're willing to say, yes, I will find the one more. If you're willing to say, I will stretch myself, even in my awkwardness, to do something, Because I know that there are people who are hungry, who are not being clothed, who are in prison, whether physically or here. There are so many. If today, you're actually going to do it. Don't come down here and be dramatic. I don't like it. I want people who are committed. I want to see what this house is made of. I want to see what you have to offer. We're being called to something right now in this moment. Why do you think Holy Spirit moved like he did through this whole service? He is moving because he's saying, it is time. I'm activating you now. If you're willing to find your Donald, I ask that you come forward, up to the front. I wanna know who's with us to do this, to find those Donalds. come. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.